And fuckers, welcome to Show Notes. It's 99 and Manny here today. Hello, Manny. I'm not Max. No, I mean, do you want to (laughs) be? No, definitely not. (laughs) Yeah, it seems like, you know, the shittiest position to have of all three of us. Yes, today's uh, performance of Max is being played by Manny Faces. (laughs) I like that Um, little little thing in in our playbill. Yep. But yeah, so we're gonna we're gonna keep this nice and tight. We didn't have a ton of feedback, I think, because we've been half offline. Um, but we have some socialism feedback, and I'm sure we'll just generally get into some tangents, but mm-hmm. some notes up top. So we have a phone a friend coming soon, and that is the very first video phone a friend. And the topical cream that Max mentioned probably won't happen for a little bit, and then maybe not at all, depending on if it's still topical. But I just wanted to update you. You know how I'm always making fun of him for making promises he can't keep, but it's a habit that I cannot break him of clearly, but I will keep trying. And Max is still out on vacation and he'll be back soonish, ready to go with socials in part five. So that's very exciting. Super exciting. Yeah. I think we've had a good, uh, we're, we're having good momentum here, like really getting into the heart of the story. So I'm excited to, to see what he brings to the table. I will tell you that I, and I don't normally care about half of this shit that we do here, uh, <laughs> but I care enough that I actually bought Critique and Practice, the giant tomb. Praxis. Praxis. <laughs> Critique and Praxis by Bernard Harcourt, because we reference it so much, and I found some of the concepts to be interesting and actually parallel in some ways to some of the stuff I do over in my world. So I bought a book. Wow. Because of this stupid show. I didn't know you could read. I know. I'm having it read to me. I, baby girl faces just, she does a chapter every week. I was going to ask, can you please, if you have the time, have her read a page of this book? I'm, you know what? I'm going to insert that in post. That's going to be fantastic. Okay. All right. It'll be the cutest thing on planet Earth. Yeah, she's doing all right. She just started third grade. She's very oh my um, God. In a new, and we moved. So she's in a new school and it's like, ah, we're like, oh, she's going to have all this you know, apprehension and anxiety. And she's like, yeah, no, I got a couple of friends. We're good. (laughs) I mean, she's your daughter, so. I know, she's pretty good. But she's, she's, you know, it's tough for kids, you know, having to move and I felt bad, but she seems to be doing well. So she'll be happy to read a chapter of (laughs) critique and praxis for everyone. It's on the third grade reading list this year. (laughs) Until it's banned. Yeah. (laughs) We are in Georgia after all. That's true. Yeah. Well, I think we're going to skip headlines. Did you want to talk a little bit about the most recent news beat as your headline? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so we had a uh, in the heel on the heels in the heels in the in the heels in heels. Uh, we did a news beat episode in heels. It was exciting. Uh, shout out <laughs> to my brethren, uh, Rashad Mian, the uh, managing editor, and Christopher Tawarski, the editor in chief of the fantastic news beat podcast. Many listeners would have heard us share an episode recently, our interview with presidential candidate Dr. Cornell West. And as we prepare some of our longer, larger episodes, uh, we snuck in another interview. Interview. This was with Norman Solomon. Norman Solomon is the author of the book, the Bible. <laughs> war, war. <laughs> the Bible. The Norman Solomon version. Yeah, the Bible. The, it's the called, book. <laughs> it's called "War Made Invisible: How America Hides the Human Toll of Its Military Machine." Uh, it's just a really well-researched uh, book and a well-researched, learned professional who explains uh, sort of all the nitty-gritty behind-the-scenes carnage that is a part of these extended wars that we often talk about in this show, uh, and just the, the the toll on humans and humanity that is often not reflected. When you watch a snippet on the news or you hear about what's happening in Afghanistan and maybe when there's a flare up, you'll catch some some headlines, but you don't actually understand the full tragic breadth and depth of the toll it takes on humankind and especially on those in these afflicted regions. So a really depressing book (laughs) in a way, Uh, but, you know, for us here who seek the truth and uh, who often want to have a greater perspective about what happens uh, around the world as we do here and as we do there. I think it's interesting. It was a fascinating discussion and you can find that wherever you find uh, Newsbeat, uh, wherever you listen to podcasts and stuff. Nice. And also on, on video, oh. by the way. We, yeah, we have it on video as well. So we have a YouTube, uh, youtube.com slash at US Newsbeat. So if you're a visual learner about death, then go over to YouTube. 
Yes, that is that. You know, that's what I what I always say. I'm a, I'm a visual learner about death. Yeah, I need to see them die to believe yeah. it happened. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you know, otherwise just, they're just oh, out of view. You can just send send me a meme, and yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna believe you. I'm gonna understand death that way. Got it. So that's uh, that was it. So good episode. Uh, if you're all caught up with UNFTR, which come on, you're not. <laughs> <laughs> I know. That's you're true. actually reading this, hearing this way after Max is back from vacation, but yeah. it's fine. You know, if if you if you have some time, it's a good uh, conversation. And on the 99 podcast this week, I mm-hmm. was in a gross city seeing my favorite band. I will not say the city because I feel like it'll be pretty easy to triangulate where mm. I was. Sioux uh, City, Iowa. Yeah, exactly. Fuck you, Iowa. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so I was in a, a gross place. Is Sioux City in Iowa? <laughs> Sioux City. I think I so. Yeah, you know it's, it's like Iowa. Two. Okay, good. There's also a movie called Sioux City. Is it spelled like S-U-E <laughs> and it's a funny romping comedy? It's not. It's about it. Wow. It's about a Native American doctor. Oh, this might. This might. Oh, it's just Lou Diamond Phillips. Oh, a Native American oh, doctor living in California, Jesse Rainfeather Goldman, mm-hmm. travels to an, an Iowa Indian reservation in hopes of seeing his biological mother. Interesting. Hmm. I, I, I'm an adoptee. <laughs> that could be interesting. I, he actually, Lou Diamond Phillips, I think, is Native American, but he plays Hispanics like because he was in La Bamba. Classic. Which is one of my favorite movies of all time. He's always talk Filipino. about Filipino. <laughs> Okay, so we're both so we just throw random guesses out there about people's nationalities. That's right. That's the right thing to do. Uh, I will say this before we move on. Uh, while you were toiling away uh, in Sioux City, Iowa, uh, watching the band that shall not be named, I wa- I went to Barbie. Did you love it? I did kind of love it. I yeah, mean, I did how kinda, could you not? Uh, it's pretty good. It's it's it, for, for a lot of reasons like it's you know it's campy and silly and fun, but you know I, I I you know I saw Max's post on the unfuckers at all Facebook group and you know he had had some review commentary and some of that I I, I agree with and there was a lot of interesting messaging in there and it was uh it was good. Yeah, I will. Well, spoiler alert: I'll give my favorite part. So if you haven't seen mm-hmm. it yet, but I feel like it's been it's been like three weeks, so I think most people who wanted to see it probably have. A billion dollars worth of you have already seen it. Yeah, so, exactly. Yeah. yeah, I cried multiple times. I cried <laughs> when Rhea Perlman came on screen, and I was like, "Is that Ruth?" And then I, she said her name was Ruth, and I was like, "I knew it." Oh, you knew the backstory. Yeah, well, I, interesting. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah I didn't. I, I was. I didn't. I wasn't that deep in the Matrix, but obviously, it was a nice twist. Yeah, if you didn't know what was going on, who, who she was. That made me cry. It made me cry when she was talking to the woman on the bench and she was like, you're yeah. so beautiful. And she was like, yeah. I know it. And I was like, <laughs> I know I did. And so she was having that realization of everything was mm-hmm. hitting her. And uh, yeah, Margot Robbie's dope. Like she really played. She really played that well. Like yeah. that whole like uh, who else could have done that? Did, is this true? What's a face? Uh the senator's daughter, Amy Schumer, uh, was supposed to play her. I think that. So I was reading the Wikipedia and. It seems like this was an early iteration of the movie. Like it was maybe even in talks to be developed back in like 2010 or something. Right. And it changed hands a bunch of times. And I think she was in play, but it's not like, Got I don't it. think Greta Gerwig tapped Amy Schumer. I think, I think Greta Gerwig realizes that Amy Schumer's brand is not <laughs> necessarily feminist. Um, mm, yeah. Point. So okay. uh, I, I don't think oh. that was like a recent iteration. Um, I think, I think, yeah, I, I think, and I'm glad that, you know, I mean, you know, baby girl face is a little young. So obviously a lot of it, you know, went over her head and, she, you know, we went to, we took her and my wife went and, uh, but I still think there's something in there that probably was a good couple of nuggets for her to have witnessed. Yeah. And there's a lot of bright yeah. colors and like, it's just fun to watch. <laughs> it was fun to watch. She yeah, loved it. exactly. Yeah. I yeah. found it slightely good. triggering. Because I did not know Ken basically becomes like uh, a maggot. I had no idea. (laughs) So I was like, you know, I thought it was going to be Barbie and Ken fun romp and he would just be a supporting character. I'd know like went in with zero spoilers, essentially, other than they go to the real world, which was in the trailer. Sure. I'm thinking like the Cinderella when she came to life, uh, whatever that movie was. Enchanted. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. So so yeah. Something like that. So like yeah. when I saw it unfolding, I was like, "Oh no, this is honestly <laughs> too real," and I don't know what to do about this. But it's really interesting. My biggest criticism, which I think was intentional, is that at the very end, 
when she, again, spoiler alert, when she's talking to Ken and she apologizes to him for, you know, for neglecting him or whatever or yeah. overlooking him. And he does not apologize to her for literally ruining her entire life. <laughs> and he just right. sits there. And I'm like, that's that's what that's what women do. We are societally trained to just make up for other people and, and apologize person. and yeah all of these yeah. things and then he just kind of gets to be ken and continue on his life of blonde fragility so um <laughs> well there were a lot of things in this movie there yeah. were layers this was a very shrek movie in that there were layers <laughs> yes so. just as feminist as shrek too you know yeah true <laughs> I liked it. It was it was good. Dude. What can I tell you? I still want to see freaking Oppenheimer, but uh, I you know I had to yeah, do this first. Skip it. Nah, I don't know. I, I don't need to do three out. I all I heard I is that at one point, again, spoiler alert, they sit naked in chairs and talk to each other, and I'm like, this is not how humans act. I don't care what Christopher <sighs> Nolan was thinking. Yeah. I don't. No human on earth has ever post-coital just sat in like wooden chairs cross-legged having a conversation like that's maybe in a nudist colony this right. is not how humanity is even bean the people bag. who made that <laughs> beanbag chairs perhaps but not necessarily wooden chairs i wouldn't sit naked on a wooden chair pre-coital uh but yeah i don't know i'm not gonna you know i i, I have my reasons we'll see it we'll see it again but i want to see it with the whole big imax 70 70 millimeter thing and there's only like one in georgia and it's like an hour and a half away and i'm like i don't know if and then it's three hours and then it's an hour and a half back and i, I just don't want to know if i want to dedicate enough of my life to this i don't so think you do it probably won't happen so we'll see yeah anyway uh spoiler alerts are over Stop clicking your pen i know i'm sorry i'm, I'm fiddly <laughs> I'm I'm I'll send you some fidget toys, but you're. I'm not in my normal. I'm not. I'm not in my normal setup. I'm I know, still, but you're the I'm audio not. engineer. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. But I'm a terrible guest. Yes, clearly. Right. Let's go. Okay. What do we got? So we're gonna get into some uh, socialism part four feedback, and we have an email from Snail Powered. Why don't you take this one? Sure. From Snail Powered. While listening to part four of the socialism series for the fourth time, I formulated a position. I posit that the reason that Marx became the dominant theorist in our modern understanding comes down to affirmation bias. The worker is the majority, and while many could probably see that Bakunin was likely right even then, no one wants to hear that the real answer is so extraordinarily difficult. People don't want to hear that we're destined to struggle for our rights for eternity. Marx's ideas, as I understand them, having never read them myself, actually put the working class in the best position to have a comfortable life, just doing their work and not being bothered by the externalities that make life, life. When I joined the U.S. Army, I struggled to understand why the system was so complex and often seemingly stupid. As I gained rank over the years, I learned that almost all of it came from lessons learned and a continual evolution of the processes that make the entire system actually function. I will think about this more and will probably listen to the Socialism series in its entirety a few times when it's wrapped up and combined into one long epic. I look forward to what the future holds for the UNFTR ecosystem and hope that perhaps we can hone the system to push for a better world. In a conversation today, I said that I just want to live in a country where Cornell West is the main political opponent of Joe Biden. Ah, what a dream that would be. Take care. Hashtag FMF. Hashtag FMM. Hashtag FRNC. Love you guys. Well, we love you, too. Yeah, I think that was I think that's really good insight um, and definitely like applying very personal lessons to it. I'd be interested yeah. in what Max thinks about it, obviously, after doing the reading himself. Uh, but I thought it was important to include that and just hear kind of a, you know, from a from a worker perspective, like we're workers, yep. you know, we are the working class, essentially. Yeah. Yeah. That's what this, uh, that, you know, obviously Max comes from a place of knowing the ending or the arc. And like I said, I don't, I, I don't know much about this stuff. But when you hear about these things, including the reason why I bought the book is because you look at it in a way like, how does this apply to me and my experiences and where I am in life and being in the army or being, you know, a worker, like you say, and really makes you think about all these systems and theories and, you know, just, I guess, how complicated, but yet simple it all kind of is. Yeah, it could be really simple if we just did the right thing by people. Can it be that it was all so simple then? Was that a poem? Yes, Wu Tang. Oh. <laughs> I mean, that is technically yeah. poetry. Just, yeah, absolutely. 100%. Just saying spoken poetry. That's right. Happy anniversary, hip hop. 50 years this week. 
Wow. August, August 11th, 1973. Hip hop. I mean, yeah, it didn't like start that day, but you know, that's the day they've anointed it. So. No, it started that day. The it first time somebody said, da 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 da. And they were like, whoa. That, that, was, the, that was the first rap. Yeah. You, I can't believe you knew that. I that's know. Really, yeah. That's I've like been a, studying. Yeah. <laughs> well, all right. So I have one from Maureen D who said, this is about your list of pre Marxist, Marxist, and post Marxist socialists and thinkers. Glaringly missing from the list were women. Please don't tell me or yourselves that there were no significant women socialist philosophers. In part, we don't know of them because of their media coverage, if any, was about their home lives. In part, because even now, women's writings can be taken less seriously. So then Maureen listed some uh, socialist thinkers from the past and, you know, I think getting more into today. So Simone de Beauvier, Elizabeth Anscombe, Mary Midgley, Simone Weil, or Simone Weil, Simone Biles. Weil? I don't know Weil? how to say that. Yeah. W-E-I-L. Yeah. So that yeah. person, Alice Miller, Mary, Mary Daly, Mary Parker Follett, Grace Lee Boggs, Hildegard of Bingen, Susan Sontag, and Rosa Luxemburg. So I think those were obviously very important to call out. I do think we're going to be getting more into the female socialism thinkers. Um, I'm not sure if Maureen is specifically mentioning a conversation that Max and I had in post-show musings where I asked if the socialism feminists were related to the waves of feminism we've had in America. And I think Max said something about there being, I can't remember exactly how he phrased it, but it maybe came across like there were none, but I think he meant that like at the time he was covering, they weren't prominent like in the, in the story. Um, so I, I do think, cause he has mentioned Rosa Luxemburg and I'm not sure some of these other names do f- seem familiar. So I'm, I'm sure we're going to get to them, but as a preamble. Well, I was gonna say Rosa Luxemburg had a whole country named after her, so she's got to be important. That's <laughs> I, not not the same thing. I, no. I mean, <laughs> I don't, it doesn't say it. It looks like they taught anti-war activism and taught mm-hmm. economics and Marxism at SPD's Berlin Training Center. So maybe not the country. Ooh, she she was assassinated. Oh, that must mean she was really important. That's sad. Um, we'll we'll get we'll get this over to Max and remind him to uh, you know, stop hating women. Yeah, I mean, I you remind know? him that most days. It's probably part of that whole thing. So we'll we'll get on him. Yeah, he learned nothing from the Barbie movie. <laughs> nothing. Yeah, but yeah. thank you again. Obviously, that is important to me, and I think important to most unfuckers here. So, getting into some general feedback, we heard from Elena S, who said, "I hope I did not offend ninety nine by joking about fish." I know absolutely nothing about American contemporary music, the stuff young Americans listen to these days. As an older person, it's easier to prefer oldies of the 60s and 70s and speeches of Malcolm X and Che Guevara on YouTube. Mm, All right. And then, so I'll I'll touch on that, but then separately, Elena said, perhaps you misunderstood something I was trying to say in previous communications. I have never meant in any way to criticize your podcasts. You do so much investigation without adequate compensation out of your love of truth of helping all of us to understand the big picture. So first thing, I am not offended that you made fun of fish. I think it's funny. Um, I mean, I get it. People do hate on fish for no reason. There is like a literally whole book about it. I think I mentioned once called, you know us, but you don't like us. And people just think it's funny to hate on fish. It is my favorite uh, Ben and Jerry's flavor. It is, I think, one other, of the best. Other, other than that, I could care less about them. But mm, That's you know. fair. No, that's right. It's all good. Yeah people were like is any bar streaming the fish show and like half of the comments were like yeah tell me where and i'll avoid it oh i hope not and it's like right. some of the other comments were like what is wrong with you people they just want to hang out and someone said it was too niche and i'm like too niche for a bar to be streaming it yet they sold out madison square garden seven nights this year and have a ben and jerry's flavor yeah i don't know how that's niche. too niche like my band might be too niche but this right. band is one of the biggest they're they're the biggest jam band on earth right now that's sure. living. Yeah. That, well, dead and but company, if, but retired. But even if but even if they didn't, even if Elena S did insult you for liking fish, you're not going to be insulted. No. Yeah. No. Who cares? Yeah, I was yeah. not insulted, Elena. And I'm, I'm I'm a hip hop guy. You know how many people out there are like hip hop? Yeah, me mean hip crap. You know? Okay. Who that's cool. says that? No one. No people. They'll they'll say. Very many variations it's of just such thinly veiled racism. It's though. very often thinly veiled race, not so thinly veiled yeah, racism. Exactly. Yeah. Yep, you're right. So the second part Alina was talking about was I think Max read 
a snippet from the Facebook group about Elena saying that we're not in the Facebook group. And mm. um, oh, that was Elena. Yeah. Oh, right. Oh, yeah. she caused quite a kerfuffle. Yeah. So <laughs> we were again. We we read it more as like constructive criticism and not actual criticism. Um, and that led Max to joining the group. It was I sort of made the unilateral decision on behalf of the team to not. First, it was like I didn't have time to curate a social environment, and thankfully Knudsen did. And then from there, I was like, well, now that it's here, it's organic. Like, why don't we let people, you know, gather without us? Because I might second guess posting criticism if I had some about the podcast, mm. if I knew that the hosts were in there. So that mm. was that was the thinking of it, not like a you do your thing over here, we'll ignore right. you. But um, I just wanted to clarify, Elena, that, you know, we're not we were never mad. We appreciate even the people who take time to criticize as long as it's constructive. It shows a level of caring. It's not like you're just shitting on the show for fun. You're trying right. to say, hey, I love this, but it could be better. So here's X. So do not worry, Elena. No. Yeah, I'm, I'm, uh, I know personally, I'm very used to people wanting more of me. So that's just what it is. You want more of us. I like it. Exactly. That's fine. It's great. Y'all know I pop into UNF, the unfuckers at all every now and then. Uh, but, uh, you know, Max is out there now. He's, he's, da he's dabbling his toe in the water. And so uh, you. Just one toe. Just one toe. Uh, although now he's probably dabbling all his fuckboy hair in the ocean or wherever <laughs> he is. But, uh, you know, that tickled everyone. So, yay. So it, it all worked out. It was all good. Yeah. When he first posted it and I saw it, I had like a jump scare because I was like, why is he posting his face? And then I remembered that he uses YouTube and shares his <laughs> face every day. But I was right. like, this is a nightmare. Mm. I have to do damage control. And it was like all in the span of three seconds. And I was like, oh, so it's OK. Funny. Yeah, that is funny. Yes. Yeah. Well, I'm glad that he's uh, he's he, he dabbled and said hi to everyone. Yeah, and I'm sure yeah. there'll be more pictures to come of his fuckboy hair. Sure, there'll be more pictures to come. Yeah. Um. Oh, so okay, back to me. This is a comment from YouTube, and uh, I, we did drop some YouTubes the last few days, right? So even though Max is away, I think we a drip campaign <laughs> yeah a drip campaign okay very cool uh so stay tuned there may be more in the queue we don't know oh by the way elena s mentioned um that we do so much without adequate compensation that's very true anyway m doyle <laughs> said on the banking crisis max the greatest thing about your videos and podcasts is that they never go bad about four months past this crisis as i watch you here i'm reminded about what house of cards our entire money system is uh, gossip started by irresponsible financiers can topple systems and banks. Our lives are run by greedy gamblers, gossips, and aphorisms. Yeah, I think it's aphorisms. Aphorisms yeah. and aphorisms. They sound like ghosts. Aphorisms? Yeah, like apparitions. Okay, I, I can yeah. feel that. Yeah, see, I know words. Yeah. I just didn't know that one. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but I, I mean, oh man, you. I mean, yeah, we don't know what's happening. There's so many levers of incredulity haha, happening in the in the banking system especially if you're just a regular regular schmegular person that doesn't understand all these things you're just trying to get your 401k and trying to you know get by and you know that there's so much funky stuff happening and then you hear you know max break it down or you hear other people who aren't max what's, what, no yeah but i'm saying who aren't like part of the mainstream cnbc crowd or whatever like some some there's some independent financial reporters and there's so much fuckery going on and nobody ever seems to pay or if they pay it's in like monetary fund. you know uh, bank x was paid 650 million dollars for jerking their customers around for seven years and creating fake accounts and all that but you know start now and you know save 500 dollars if you deposit your your direct deposit and they're still around just chilling and it, it just spills into all, so many other things how some of these uh so-called political figures we see getting indicted multiple times for instance <laughs> are still just walking around chilling like if we did one tenth of what they did we'd be locked up and with no bond for years before a trial and so i i share your frustration uh but i do appreciate knowing a little bit more about it so that you're just better equipped to you know, go through life and try to do what you can to, on the money side of things, be more vigilant and just be more understanding of who controls the money and the stocks and the things and the that and the this. And so you're better equipped to hang on to all what money you might have. You ever just think about the fact that like money's fake and but it rules everything and like get real tripped out and like, fuck, man, <laughs> like they could just mm -hmm. give me money and be fine. Just, just give us money. Just give us money. 
billionaires just give everybody money and everyone would be really better off. Yeah, I and they'd need money. still be fine. Totally fine. I don't know. I don't get it. Because they're greedy gamblers, gossips, and apparitions. Yes. And that's what rules the uh, the monetary system. So Holy, yeah. Hopefully one day there'll be apparitions. <laughs> Thanks, M. Doyle. We appreciate you. Yeah. And we have a review from Never Get to Seven. I don't know what that means. Is it Never Ghetto Seven? No, it's Never Get to Seven. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Listen, I, I see things differently. Yeah, you're just checking. Yeah. <laughs> they said, excellent and well-researched discussions on current events and their historical context. So thank you. And we appreciate We don't, we haven't gotten many reviews lately, so let's keep them rolling. Reviews are important. They're reviews free. Help. They They're are free. Free, free well, 99. All, all comments are actually free. That's true. Unless, yeah. unless you are on Twitter and you have to pay to like see more mm. replies. Sorry, X. X. I want to take our, our, our X account down. Eh. I just, you know. we're giving him money somehow. Eh, I don't know. I mean, I get all that. Even through the times that, you know, when the show took its step back, I stayed on it. I I still have connections on there. Or I still follow things that give me you pertinent information. Thin morals. Eh, no, it's because I'm an independent, you know, platform content man. creator. I'm an independent platform man. And I have to, you know, have to some sometimes, you know, be in these places. But I don't know. I... I guess I like it for the idea of archival, like what we did post there, you know, was something. It was important. We probably said something of value at some point. And from an archivist standpoint, I'd want it. I wouldn't want it to disappear, but no one really cares either way. So, you know, I, it should disappear. X. Well, no, the time <laughs> Glenn Greenwald retweeted Newsbeat. <laughs> oh, mm, we should yeah. talk about it. <laughs> yeah. No, I let the. You know what? We got to get them on a phone a friend one day <laughs> and talk about all the behind the scenes uh, uh, machinations of what happens at Newsbeat and what happens when something like that happens. You know, we got look even with Cornell Rest, Cornell Rest. Uh, it's the rest of Cornell. <laughs> you know, we we got quite an interesting you know bag of feedbacks uh, from that too. So it's interesting when you put things out in the world to hear what people have to say. Yeah. 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 Like we do here. Yeah. I'm just and no in one a else loop. Had, had any, no one had anything else to say. Yeah. 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 Should we talk about what are what are some podcasts you're listening to this summer? I'm making podcasts this summer. So I don't have a lot of time to listen. I have uh, a couple of, you know, sort of private label. <laughs> you know, I'm the audio editor for a company that's hired by a company. You know, so I'm, I'm kind of doing the background work. Uh, I'll be bringing back my my show, Hip Hop Can Save America, in the fall, and I will be doing more video work. So I'm, I moved, and I'm kind of building a small little setup, so that's taking some time. So I'm not really listening. And I got Newsbeat, of course. I got this and a few other podcasty type things that I do. So I haven't listened to much. Um, I was on, very briefly, an episode of NPR Life Kit. You were. I was. Uh, one of my colleagues and good friends, TK Dutez, uh, shouts to TK. She's a brilliant uh, podcast producer, and she's uh, in all the podcast producing spaces. Uh, but she also occasionally narrates uh, episodes of NPR Life Kit. And she did one, which, you know, you'd probably find very uh, close to your heart, on pet grief. Aww. Grief after losing a pet. And so she interviewed, a, you know, a grief counselor that basically specializes in this field that when, you know, how do you deal with these things? How do you cope and, and what people coping mechanisms are? And they also brought in some voices of some of her friends. And I was one of them. And she asked me because, as you know, and I don't think I, I might have told UNFTR some time ago, I used to have, uh, you know, our long lost uh, late Max, Max the dog. He was Maxwell. Uh, he was also a.k.a. Bark Obama, uh, <laughs> a.k.a. Puppy Chulo. Uh, AKA Pup Daddy. And uh, he lived with us for, he was 14 when he when he passed, but when he was four, when he injured his back and became paralyzed. And so for 10 years, basically, we kept him, you know, after we found <laughs> oh, out. Oh, how that, like, nice. Yeah, we kept him in a box. <laughs> and he was fine. <laughs> no, we found that even though, and you basically paralyzed from like the back of your back down, so your legs don't really work and, and you're bathroom functions need uh, some assistance let's just say and you know at first we thought like you can't have a dog in this condition they can't be a dog they can't run they gotta you gotta express their bladder so they can use the bathroom it's crazy and then you find out that there's this entire community of folks that have pets that have had these 
freak accidents or been hit by a car or whatever, but still have been able to live, you know, beautiful, pet, regular, loving lives. And so we said, all right, we'll try it out. We got him a little wheelchair and uh, he would use that when he was outside and inside the house, he would just slalom around like a seal and just kind of, <laughs> he would take corners like Tokyo Drift into the kitchen <laughs> and it was fabulous. And he was a great dog and he had a very happy life with us. And we took him everywhere. We road tripped everywhere. And for 10 years, he lived like this and we lived like this and it was a big sacrifice, but we loved him and it was great. And then he passed away and, you know, you had to cope with that and deal with that grief, especially someone you had been so like a dog is obviously connected to everybody. But like we were <laughs> you no one gets more hands on their dog than we did. Yeah. You know, so just going through that kind of what did we do to cope with it? And and I, I didn't I said a lot of stuff and they cut it. You know, I'm in there for a little bit at the end. One of the things we did was and I don't know if you have, you know, but sort of like the in-home euthanasia, mm-hmm. which I found to be actually, you know, we had put a, a kitten, a cat that we had, you know, got old and sick and had to be put down once. And it was in the veterinarian's office. It was so cold and disturbing and like just very plain and. Uh, I can't even describe like just cold you know what I mean it was just very clinical right and this was a whole new thing and we decided to do it at home and I don't know as well as these things could have gone I think it was I think it was helpful and Max did a painting before he died we had him put a we put a a canvas with some paints in a plastic bag and you smear the peanut butter on top and he licks it all and he makes a painting and so we have that and we have that in his little shrine and I think that that's important. You keep his memory alive and, you know, all these things. So, I don't know. He was an inspiration to us and he was a cool dude. And, uh, you know, now we have Mississippi. So, we, we have a, a puppy that actually looks like him. It's kind of weird. If they if she had been born after he died, I swear he would have reincarnated. But anyway, so I got a chance to talk about it there and other people did too. And I recommend it because it's a good uh, episode for anyone going through or will go through, uh, as we all will, who have pets, uh, that kind of grief. Uh, so, shouts to TK, shouts to NPR and Life Kit, and thanks for letting me babble about Bark Obama. Yeah, I'm going to have to listen to that. I also lost my dog this year. Uh, yeah. And uh, her name was Mandy, uh, so also an M name, and also Black Lab. Mm-hmm. Um, I also have a shrine to her. I can mm-hmm. show you off screen. Oh. There's my baby girl. Oh. Yeah, that's yeah, we have, her little we have to put our, Yeah, we have to put ours back up, but I'll show you. Yeah, she was... I think 14 we just we 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 didn't have her exact age because we rescued her and sadly we could not do that home that home service because they weren't available for a week and sometimes things happen and you know like if if uh your old dog can't walk anymore and it's like they're in pain wait yeah yeah so we we were able to schedule it but it was a couple days out yeah yeah another week would have been you know kind of torturous yeah this was sort of like a it happened really quickly and uh i didn't even have time to process that it was happening and she was like my my baby like it was a family dog but we that was my soul dog and uh yeah it was it was really hard i was like I, I just, you know, I didn't know what to do with myself. And yeah. it's so tough. So, yeah, I'm going to have to listen to yeah, that. It is tough. It is tough. And it's still tough. It's like, you know, we don't, you know, we have family members we lost. We still have those moments. And, you know, that's going to happen with our pets, too. And, uh, you know, my even my daughter, like, she, you know, she loved Max. And that was her first pet, except for the fish. But we won't talk about what happened with the fish. <laughs> and, um, you know, so that was like her first heartbreak. And she's, you know, she's seven at the time or six. And like her heart's breaking, I'm my heart's breaking, and with uh, so much heartbreak, it's all over the place. Uh, but we, so I think some of the things that we did did help, and I think it's different for everybody. And I, I, I do recommend the episode. It's, I think it's a current episode of NPR Life Kit, or if not, I'll be one or two back by the time you hear this. Yeah, so go for it. I'm yeah. definitely gonna listen, and we'll link it in show notes. And for me, as for podcasts, I was not on any podcasts uh, except this one. Um, <laughs> so listen to UNFTR. Yep. Uh, I've been listening to a lot of conspirituality. I know I've, I've shilled them before, mm. but they've been doing a lot of really good coverage on RFK and uh, all the shenanigans going down with him and his uh, not so subtle endorsement of uh, Hitler with his HH88 references. Mm. 14, I think he also did a 14 in his tweet. Like, a, it's just so tired that can you just not? Can you just stop? Like, please stop. <laughs> It's a, it's another conversation, but uh, Max did hint to it, I think, in the last post-show musings or recently, that him and I were talking offline, uh, you know, my connection to the hip-hop world and some of the political machinations that are, you know, that happen in that in that world as hip-hop is not just a, a genre, but it's sort of a culture and it, it may combine a few 
different demographics, but there are people that are sort of culturally aligned to this mentality. But um, RFK appeared on one of the more popular hip hop podcasts, which was uh, surprising. And I follow this stuff. I'm a journalist in that world. I follow the, you know, the, these things. And it was actually somewhat troubling because, you know, if you have a group of folks who don't normally have political guests, they don't, they're not really engaged in this. They know him as a Kennedy, right, as a Democrat. And so they're like, oh, this is a great get. You know, this is a guy we need to talk to about, you know, the real issues. And he sits down and he's polished enough, you know, because he's been doing this for a long time. And he, generally speaking, for parts of it anyway, comes off like, you know, maybe any other politician, nothing spectacular. I'm not saying he was, you know, that I was smitten by him. But to an audience that doesn't pay much attention to politics, if you're getting your first taste of this guy through a source that you are comfortable and familiar with and, and view as trustworthy... That's really troubling if that's the first time you're learning who RFK is because you're not learning all the other things that you're talking about. And they're not going to go from the, you know, Math Hoffa's podcast to go listen to Conspirituality next. Right. So I feel like that's a sneaky, sneaky tactic uh, to appear on a show like that. To to And I, I, my guess is that RFK wasn't asked. RFK asked. Probably. And I feel like that's a, a, a kind of insidious way to sort of infiltrate a community, a, a constituency um, that maybe just doesn't have uh, as much political experience and to try to win them over with whatever your trickery is. And so I'm disturbed by that. So it's interesting that you would say that uh, it would be even fleshed out more on that excellent podcast, which you have mentioned many times, but I've listened to because you've mentioned it and they do a great job. Yeah, sometimes I'm kind of blown away by... Like, it can, you know, you, you can't not compare when you listen to other people's podcasts versus your own podcast. Mm -hmm. And they can be so knowledgeable on so many subjects and they pump out a lot of content. I mean, yeah. there are three of them. So they have that uh, advantage on Max that there's, you know, sometimes they have bonus episodes that are just one of them doing kind of like a little let's say personal essay on something mm. that they've been bothered by or they find interesting or a new trend. Um, right. But it, they're just so prolific. My favorite thing is they don't automatically like shit on people who find who are interested or find solace in in the spiritual world, in maybe the wellness world. Things that I have expressed before that um, kind of raised the, the hair on the back of my neck where I just it's such a slippery slope that like it makes me upset. So like I'm very I'm it's not that I'm intolerant, but I'm like automatically sus. Right. But they did an episode on the Huberman lab talking about how a few different things that uh, Andrew Huberman has brought up on his podcast, which has become like a top podcast. And I've never listened to it because it's not really my vibe of like that kind of pseudo intellectual bro science. I think mm -hmm. they literally call it bro science. So <laughs> it's not it's not for me. And right. I had no thoughts one way or another about it. Just maybe some reservations. And so they do a really good job in this episode, and I think it's very indicative of the way they approach all their topics. They weren't dragging him. They weren't like, this guy's a hack. They said he has all these credentials. He's yeah. experienced in his field. But here are a few examples of him stepping outside of his, his lane of knowledge. One of them was about sunscreen. He basically said that there are certain types of sunscreen that pass the blood-brain barrier and stay in your brain basically for 10 plus years. And that it's bad for you, and he doesn't use sunscreen. I'm like, this is like like a famous he's like you know in the neurology community like very respected so a weird thing to say for him they had a guest on basically explaining why this isn't true how they can't even prove anything stays in they'd have to know the exact date of usage of the sunscreen and how do they know that that was the only thing with this chemical like etc so they did a really good job of being like here are just some things to look out for if you listen to this type of person or specifically him and one of them like they brought up tim ferris who kind of incepted this whole movement you could say mm. with his with his writings of being like i'm i did this kind of stuff so maybe it works and and he they do a good job of explaining that tim ferris doesn't he doesn't claim that all his solutions work for everybody he says i'm doing experiments on myself basically and sharing the research with you and okay. so i sent the podcast to my sister who loves tim ferris or I wouldn't say love. She's not like a, a stan, but like she's read Tim Ferriss and um, she goes on the wheels. I don't know what that means. The Ferris wheels. Oh, 
Dad joke. Dad joke. I was like, does he have an experiment with wheels? I don't know. Um, But no, I thought she would just find it interesting. And she called out to me first, actually, that she was glad that they didn't like shit on Tim Ferriss. And I said, it's like, it's interesting because I actually was glad that they did bring him up as kind of like a co-conspirator in this movement. But also, Mm. you know, so it like spoke to both sides of like someone who likes him and his work. And me, who's sort of like suspect of that type of right. uh, intellectual, if you will. So, again, I know I'm, I'm beating a dead horse with them, but I think I think as a companion to our podcast, it's like second to none. Not that they're created for that, but uh, right. if you like us and you like the type of stuff that I think maybe more I'm interested in than, than a Mac side of it, because it's yeah. a little more like zeitgeist stuff. Yeah. Like yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Then I think you would love it. But that's what I've been listening yeah. to. If you're interested in a short form podcast, I listened to one podcast called Scamanda about this woman who told everyone she had cancer and she didn't. And that was pretty interesting. It was just one of those really good, like, you know, eight, 12 episode miniseries that um, take a kind of like a true story and just like really good journalism on one like small niche subject. So I enjoyed that. I think that's that's what I listened to most recently. I kind of sometimes it's nice to just like binge a miniseries. When you yeah. get a little like you need a break from your long-standing podcasts. Yeah, uh, I'll mention one real quick. Again, this, this is this is niche in that if you weren't into this particular world, it's probably really interesting. If you weren't, but if you were, and I don't know how many people listening to me now were, but there's a release by a, a couple of brothers who call themselves "It's the Real." Done some comedy stuff and some journalism stuff. And they released a podcast called "The Blog Era," and what this was, this was a I don't know, maybe a eight, ten, maybe an eight-year period. Uh, again, hip hop, where hip hop blogs were the gatekeepers and the tastemakers of the music business. So before, you know, and traditionally DJs and, you know, radio stations would be where songs were broken and such. But if you know Drake, Drake got popular because of blogs. No, because, because of, of Degrassi. Blogs. More famous, sir, <laughs> because of blogs. <laughs> right? Wheelchair Jimmy became Drake. Yeah. You know, um, but yeah, you know, obviously he had a starting point, which did help. But that era, and there were a ton of folks, and it was sort of this, there was there was one seminal guy that was doing these hip-hop blogs and just in, a, in an experimental thing. This wasn't a thing. Blogging was, was a thing, but not in the hip-hop world and not by, not to be taken seriously. Just a guy who was writing his own reviews of songs and new releases. And it wasn't orchestrated or coordinated. It wasn't hired. He was just a guy doing it. And it sparked this really interesting movement where there became then others. But then they became very powerful. You know, the record labels would then, you know, you can't just go to the radio stations anymore. You have to go through the blogs and then the mixtapes. And so it launched this sort of, I don't know, subgenre of journalism outside of the mainstream journalism world that then had the power to shape the mainstream music industry. And so it's a fascinating, it was a fascinating time for, for music, for hip hop, for industry, for those industries. It was so ingenious and creative and just done by some folks that didn't really set out to change the landscape, but really did. So they interviewed hundreds of people, artists, uh, DJs, bl- you know, bloggers, record label execs, and they put together a really informative and entertaining series. It's called The Blog Era. So shouts to It's The Real. Nice. I like yep. that. Different, cool. different strokes for different folks. It was a really interesting time. Yep. And thanks because now we have Drake. So Yes. I don't I mean... I I used to listen to the Degrassi podcast back in, I don't know, 2005, they had a podcast Mm. and they, it's gone from the internet. I think I might've mentioned it once before, like when we were talking about something, but it's like, I cannot find any of the, there's different podcasts now, obviously, but like the one I'm looking for, gone. It might've actually been just the end podcast, which was like the channel. Yeah. It's totally gone. And I remember different people being on it. And I remember like listening to Drake's mixtapes. And I think he was going by like MC Graham back then. He had a different name before he was Drake. I can't remember exactly what it was. But then I remember like a couple of years later when he got famous as Drake. And I was like, mm. other people, like kids on the bus were listening. And I was like, <laughs> I know about Drake. <laughs> I know who Drake is. Yeah, he used to be MC Graham. <laughs> and I used to know him. So it was my right. friend. But so you had all this, you had all the bus cred. Yeah, exactly. Small yeah. world, you know, yeah. little, little old Degrassi. Yeah, there you go. Well, that's why you got to stay on X because someone might be looking for us and we can't be stricken from the internet. 
And uh, and that's why I will say uh, you the fucking best. Mm. There you go. Baby, you my everything. Bring you all I ever wanted. We could do it real, babe. Bigger than you ever done it. I think I think I got it. It's pretty good. Thank you. Did I sound like him? Sounded just like him. Aww. I thought for a minute. I thought for a minute he had hacked in, and I was like, "Oh my god, it's Aubrey." <laughs> Make sure to put some beats behind me. Yeah, I'll definitely take the time to produce that segment of yeah. show notes. Yeah, of course. I'll give you fifty dollars if you can come up with what Jimmy's last name was on Degrassi. Snooker. No, that was a wrestler. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Brooks. Brooks. Now nah, I wouldn't even have guessed it. Yep. Fun fact. I didn't watch. Yeah, it's a good fact. Good I um, yeah. Let me know if you would listen to me do a mini series about Degrassi. I'll talk about all. Yeah. Day. So moving on. Thanks everyone for the <laughs> special edition of Show Notes uh, featuring many faces and the great and powerful ninety nine. Yeah, you can find AKA, us. AKA the Degrassi Whisperer. Yeah, MC ninety nine. <laughs> you can find us online at unftr.com. You could find us on socials at unftrpod. Should we join threads? Are people still using it? I don't know. The wave kind of passed, but I'm like, I think it'll come back, right? I do think it'll come back. I think it's a very astute. I think it did like fly off the, you know, because of the automatic integration. Everyone was there. I was there. People. And it was just a, a, it was like a, it was like, you know, when you go to the ocean Mm -hmm. and you're in the ocean and you're frolicking amongst the waves, but then you go to like the bay side of Mm -hmm. the state and it's rocky pe- peninsula and salty. no it's like just smoother and the waves kind of just lap across the the then you could bring your dog and you know there's people having picnics and you're still kind of at the beach but it's not so rollicking that's what hi baby baby girl faces just came home oh hey my love and um you know that's what it's like being, yeah being uh on threads yeah. But, you know, I don't go there all the time now as I did. You know, I went there for a few days. I was in and out, in and out, in and out. I think it's worth keeping an eye on. Yeah, I think that once the Zuck v. Musk fight happens, Threads will come yeah, back. Yeah, that'll be dope. I just saw a tweet about it. Apparently, Zuck is ready. He was like, I threw out the date August 26th and he never got back to me. And apparently they want to do it. Elon wants to stream it on X and then donate the proceeds to veterans. And then Zuck was like, why don't we do it on a platform where the money is guaranteed to go to charity? (laughs) And I was like, fucking drag him, Zuck. I can't believe I'm pro Zuck right now, but drag him. That's that. Now that that's oh that's a firing shot. Shots fired. It really Shots was. Fired. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I think we should take bets. Should we do like a like a DraftKings like UNFTR? We could do it. We could do a preview. You're good. We could do a preview uh, event. We could do it. Come here, baby. We're not recording on camera. She's tight. That's, ni- that's ninety nine. Don't say her real name. Okay. She's like okay. I don't remember it. Did we have a bad day? Mm. Okay, we'll talk in two minutes. I'm just about done. Okay. All right. Mm, poor baby. A, 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 a very subdued baby girl face. I mean, it's two thirty. She's tired. It's a Monday. I don't blame her. She's been up since six, bro. And what? And, and and we're it's and let's not forget like it's August first week in August, and she's been in school for a week. Like it's ridiculous. Do they air condition their classrooms. Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's you know, uh, but still like. August? Like, we're from New York. We don't start school until September. Yeah. Like Post Labor Day. <laughs> yeah. <they're laughs> yeah. Like, like, they the stretch as long as possible. It's ridiculous. It's down here. It's like, nope. Yeah. Summer's like grand opening, grand closing. Yeah. It <laughs> seems backwards, especially since it's hotter there. I that's I don't get it. I, it probably had to do with, like, farming. You know, it's the South. So it's like, you know, we can only be out here one time of the year because once the harvest comes, we need everyone on deck. And I don't know. I don't know. That I don't is know these true. Things. Yeah. I'm still trying to figure it out. I'm still trying to figure out Southern living. Ask Ben Franklin. He probably knows. Ah, I will. I will indeed. Call him. Oh, wait. Also, apparently, th- this is how you can ask him because Meta is creating chat bots that mm. are have the personalities of historical figures. They've, they've learned, mm, okay. So they're making yeah. like an Abraham Lincoln chatbot who's going to be like, please don't shoot me. Um, right. You know, so maybe you can I, ask Ben Franklin. I used to like the theater. Right. It's all interesting. <laughs> What's all right. your favorite play? <laughs> don't I ask. T- I, I can tell you which one isn't. Yeah. yeah. That's cool. Thanks, Abe. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's interesting. I can see that because if you have enough writing on somebody, you can train somebody. You know, uh, train one of these bots on, you know, because they're all trained on everyone. Yeah. But if you specifically train, I was actually looking at some AI, you know, as a solo entrepreneur, you know, some of this stuff is actually helpful to, you know, uh, summarize a thing or, you know, do a thing. And one of them was basically a, a helpful writer assistant 
that if you have enough of your own writings, you train it with you. And then you say, you know, write it in my voice and it knows your voice. And, you know, then you adapt it a little bit. I, you know, I, I, I don't think it's very helpful. I've tried to do some things. And I'm like, this is not very helpful at all. So I don't like it for writing. I do like it for, you know, what I really like some of these things for explain this to me like this. You know what I mean? Like, it, it, I, I understand Explain rain this. to me. Explain, yeah, explain, explain rain to me like a, like a five, like a first, like you would tell a five-year-old. Now I know rain. <laughs> and I was doing this. I was doing some things and I was like, tell me about critical philosophy theory versus critical, you know, because I'm reading this stupid book and I'm not that smart. And it's like, oh, it's like, and I'm like, oh, now I, now I understand it. Hmm. That okay. stuff is pretty good. I, you know, I could have Googled it, but then I got to find 16 pages. Is it the Wikipedia? That's confusing. There's all these links. You know, do I go watch a YouTube guy? It takes me. But the AI person thing, person, the AI thing. Yeah, thing sounds AI right. bot. Yeah. Did a pretty good job of like telling me real quick and real simple so that my mush brain can understand it. So for that, I actually find it kind of. And I know it could be wrong. You got to fact check things. Yeah. Sometimes they get things wrong. But for stuff like that, that really isn't controversial or it's just like definition based. But I want you to, for lack of a better term, dumb it down for me. Mm-hmm. I use Bard and, and stuff for that a lot. I will say that Night at the Museum 3 actually predicted this because they replaced all the displays with like holograms that mm. basically. So like they took the Teddy Roosevelt statue away and they or I don't know if you would call it a statue because he was like fabric, but they took the Teddy Roosevelt away and replaced him with like a hologram and he would talk like the Teddy Roosevelt statue did. So and you could converse with him. Yeah. So uh, this mm. is all next. We're going to have the that's exhibits next, coming yeah, to life. I mean, I, you know, again, I take everything comes back to music. Um, but, you know, there's there's folk and rappers specifically, but I'm sure it happens across all genres is that you can take their voice and you can replicate their voice now. And you could take their body of work so that you could actually create something that purportedly came from them and then rec- you know, play it in their voice. And it's obviously very concerning from an artistic, uh, intellectual property point of view. So while it's all cute, it certainly is going to present some interesting challenges uh, in the in the Isaiah. And then, of course, you know, Teddy Roosevelt's family is going to have to sue and it's going to be a whole thing. Yeah, I think that so. there's a trend on TikTok right now of different songs in Spongebob characters' voices. I so, did see that. At yeah. least that's harmless, unless Plankton's, like, like very sad. Yeah. And uh, There I Ruined It on YouTube. You ever see those? Yes, I love I love <laughs> them. They're so funny. Ridiculous. Yeah. Out of control. So there's all our recommendations for all you unfuckers yeah. who want to who wanna, uh, dance around the internet and listen to some things that me and 99 listen to. Yeah. So, so I, I hope we were, I hope we provided some value. Yeah. I think that, I think that's about all today. I think we're going to, we're going to close it down here. All right. We don't do an outro cause it's show notes, but like True. I said, find us online. We'll be back soon with regular scheduling. Regular scheduled programming. Regular scheduled programs. Yeah. Cardi B. <laughs> and um, I think I think that's it. What do you think? I think that's it. And I had a good time chatting with you, my friend. You and too. Good to see you. We'll talk again soon. Peace out, unfuckers. Bye.